Well, the old wedding adage, something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue is the theme of today's episode. It is wedding season. Kelly Olynyk recently got married, so we're going to have some fun with that. Take a look at four Zags who fit each category, what they might bring to the table for Mark Few squad next season, right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. We are very, very close to the end of July and the start of August, still a ways away from the college basketball season, which is why I appreciate every one of you who has continued to make the show a part of your morning routine, your afternoon routine, your workout routine, whatever it may be. All right, we're having a little fun with today's episode. Like I said, it's wedding season. Feels like all the posts we're seeing on social media these days are people getting married or people getting engaged, including a lot of posts recently for Kelly O'Linick's wedding that I was seeing on Instagram. I know Sam Dower was in attendance. There was a handful of other former Zags in attendance there. So I thought we'd do something fun today. We're going to do something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Of course, old is an older player. New is a new player. Something borrowed is a transfer and something blue is a player coming off of an injury. Segment one, we're doing old and new. We're starting things off with the fifth year senior, the grad transfer who came back for another year, a rarity because of the COVID-19 rules that allowed players to do so. That is, of course, guard Rasir Bolton. Bolton's in his fifth season. This is not unprecedented. Obviously, players have had fifth years in the past, but certainly a guy who has been playing college basketball for longer than most players end up playing college basketball. He started his career at Penn State back in 2018, played one season with the Nittany Lions. Things did not go there, go well there. Uh, he, he played well on the court, but he had some struggles with the coaching staff. They ended up benching him after he complained about a comment the coach made that he felt was inappropriate. His parents got involved. Ultimately, the coach ended up getting fired. Bolton ended up leaving the university, went to Iowa State, spent two seasons with the Cyclones. Uh, About a year and a half of that time, he was the starting point guard after Tyrese Halliburton suffered an injury. He was very good for Iowa State, but he was like their primary player. He was the score first point guard. Gonzaga has had a really good has had the ability to find score-first point guards from other programs, bring them over to Gonzaga, and kind of turn them into off-ball players, or at least more distributors in a lot of ways. Bolton is a good example of this. Ryan Woolridge is a great example of this, a guy who did all of the scoring at North Texas, but ended up being a much more efficient kind of role player when he was at Gonzaga. We're going to talk more about Malachi Smith later in the podcast, but he kind of fits that role uh, to a T as well. And Bolton was excellent. He had 11.2 points per game, which is a career low, only because his usage rate excuse me, was way down because he was not expected to be the man. He didn't have to be the high-volume scorer that he was at Iowa State or at Penn State, frankly. Uh, so again, 11.2 points was a career low, but he shot 46% from three, which is not only a career high, it obliterated any previous numbers that he had put up. It was significantly better as an outside shooter. That's what happens 
when you play in an offense where you can space the floor, where you have dominant low post scores like Drew Timmy, where you have guards who are willing to swing the ball around in a hurry, you get a lot of open looks from three. And so Bolton went from a guy who was taking basically the majority contested threes, or at least mostly contested threes while he was at Penn State and Iowa State. And then you go to being in an offense where you get a lot more open looks. It's not surprising that your three-point percentage is going to come up 10 to 15%, which is effectively what happened for Bolton. He also shot 55.7% on two-pointers. That was a career best as well. A big reason for that was pretty simple. The Zags like to get out in transition and go, go, go. Bolton is one of the fastest players I have ever seen with the basketball in his hands at the collegiate level. The dude moves very, very quickly. So for him to be in an offense that allows him to get out in transition, pretty easy to score a lot of two-pointers when they're wide open lay-ins because you're the fastest player on the basketball court. And that is what we saw a lot from Bolton. Again, this is kind of prototypical grad transfer stuff for what Gonzaga has done. They've found a lot of, you know, we used some examples earlier with Woolridge and a few of those other guys, but they have found many players like this. Byron Wesley kind of fit this bolt, this uh, bill. Jordan Matthews fit this bill a little bit. Things didn't work out as well with Geno Crandall because of an injury, but he fit that bill to a T. Even Aaron Cook, like this is, this is the recipe. Gonzaga has figured out the kind of player that they want. They have identified them on the transfer portal. They have brought them to Spokane and they, they're pretty much batting a thousand. It's incredible. They, they've had a few transfers in the past that didn't work out, but since they have really committed to this grad transfer guard setup, they're, they're, they're pretty much batting a thousand. And that's incredible. There's so many teams out there that have attempted to use the transfer portal in similar ways to Gonzaga. Gonzaga doesn't, you know, they don't re overhaul their team via the portal. They supplement. They have a very strong development program. They add some pieces here and there via the portal just to kind of fill out the roster, and they're doing an extremely good job at that. So then the next question is, is what is Bolton going to be in year five? How different is he going to look from what he was in his fourth season in college and his first season in Spokane? And frankly, it's probably not going to be that different. I, I don't see a compelling reason for anything to really change here. Uh, I think he's going to start. I think he's going to play 25 to 30 minutes per night. He started every game last year and played 27 minutes per night. So again, I think that we're kind of looking at more or less the same situation. Mark Few loves veterans. I think when we talk about playing time, we talk about how many choices and decisions Mark Few has to make. And certainly there are plenty of them on this roster. That is one thing that is pretty constant with how Few operates. He plays the older guys more which is why I think Bolton's playing 25 to 30 minutes per night. It's why I think Malachi Smith is going to play 25 to 30 minutes per night. It's why I think some of the younger guys maybe aren't going to play as much as the expectation, as much as the hope might be there for them, just because of what Few has done historically. Could change. Certainly, we've seen midseason changes all of the time. Joel Iyayi got replaced, or Admon Gilder got replaced as a starter by Joel Iyayi. Andrew Nembhard replaced Anton Watson as a starter. So it doesn't mean that things could not change down the line. But right now, I have a hard time seeing Bolton's role change all that much. I think his three-point percentage might come down. 46 was very, very high, but I think he's still going to be a very good three-point shooter. I don't think we're going to see him play a lot of true point guard. He did that a lot at Iowa State. He is capable of doing that for Gonzaga if they need him to. But I think Nolan Hickman and Malachi Smith are going to handle the vast majority of those duties. I think Bolton is probably third in line there. Uh, Dominic Harris could be in that conversation as well. But I think ultimately we're going to see Bolton in a pretty similar role in his fifth and final season in college. Moving on to new, old, Rasir Bolton, new, Braden Huff. 
Braden Huff is the only true freshman on the roster. He is the only addition for the Zags in the class of 2022. That's unusual to see Gonzaga have such a small recruiting class, but of course they supplemented with transfers, Malachi Smith, Efton Reed. They got three players to return as opposed to leaving for the NBA draft in Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, and Rasir Bolton, so they didn't need to add a ton to the class of 2022. Bolton, or Bolton excuse me, Huff is a four-star prospect from Illinois. He finished ranked number 88 in his class according to 24-7 Sports. For a long time, he was outside the top 100, so as per usual with Gonzaga, they found a player. They got him to commit, and then he started to climb up the board after he had already committed. The Zags are quick on the draw. They are very, very good at identifying talent that they want, and they find these guys before the rest of the league, before the rest of the analysts really kind of catch up to them. Huff ended up finishing his year winning Mr. Illinois in the state of Illinois. That's incredible. There's a lot of really good basketball in Illinois and in Chicago specifically, and for him to be the best player in the state, according to the state officials at Glenbard West High School. That is an incredible accomplishment for him. Huff's a six foot nine stretch four. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Ben Gregg. Uh, and it's worth pointing out that Ben Gregg was, I think, 30th in his recruiting class. Huff was closer to 90th in his recruiting class. That's not supposed to be a knock on Huff. That's more of a, hey, remember that Ben Gregg is is a very, very good high-level prospect. He hasn't really reached those expectations just yet, but him and Huff are very similar players. They are a similar height. They are have a similar skill set as, as outside shooting bigs who don't have a ton of promise necessarily as interior low post scorers who have some work to do defensively. I've seen a lot more of Greg than I've seen of Huff, so we'll kind of see what he looks like specifically on that end of the floor. But those two guys are going to be competing for playing time throughout their collegiate careers as long as they're both still in Spokane. Uh, In terms of year one, I'm not sure we see either of them. We'll stick with Huff here. I'm not sure we're going to see him play very much at all. Uh, He's behind Drew Timmy. He's behind Efton Reed. He's behind Anton Watson. That The best case scenario for Braden Huff is that that is the highest that he is on the depth chart. He's still going to be behind all three of those guys. There is not a shadow of a doubt, barring, of course, injury or something very, very shocking happening. He's, at best, the fourth big. And that's not counting Julian Strother, who I expect to play the majority of his minutes at the four. So if you count Strother, that effectively means your big man rotation is... Timmy at the five, Strother at the four, and then Anton Watson and Efton Reed coming off the bench to play those two roles. That doesn't leave a lot of other room for anybody else. And even if there was room, I don't think that Braden Huff would play over Ben Gregg. I don't know if he would play over Caden Perry. It obviously depends on health with Caden Perry. And with Gregg and Huff, I think that they're comparable skill-wise, so it kind of depends on who is more ready to play. But again, we're talking about a smattering of minutes, a handful of garbage-time minutes that might go to these guys. There's a possibility that Huff doesn't play at all and that he just ends up being a redshirt. We haven't seen a lot of true redshirts very often because of the COVID-19 rules, because you just don't need to redshirt guys. You just don't need to do it uh, outside of injury situations. So I'm not sure what exactly the plan is going to be with Braden Huff. But I would be pretty surprised if we saw him play more than garbage time minutes this year. But again, I think that development years are very, very good for these guys. We've seen so many players have really good development years behind the scenes and then blow up once they get their chance. Rui Hachimura, Joel Ayayi, those are both great examples of it. There are plenty and plenty more uh, that we, you know, that we can talk about here too. But Huff is a guy who I think is going to develop behind the scenes for a year, maybe two, depending on, on how the rest of the roster shakes out for heading into the following season. But I think he's a guy that we're not going to see right away, but has a lot of promise to be a big time contributor for for the Zags in the future. 
All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're moving on to something borrowed, looking at transfer guard Malachi Smith and his expected impact this upcoming season. Before we get there, though, let's talk about today's sponsor, Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're still hearing wedding bells today on Thursday as we record this podcast. It is a wedding-themed episode. We're talking something borrowed here in segment two, and of course, we're going to be talking about Chattanooga transfer guard Malachi Smith, one of the most intriguing players on this roster. I recently wrote about him for a video breakdown piece at Score Zag Score. Highly recommend checking that out. It has clips of what kind of player he is off the ball, on the ball, defensively, in the pick and roll, all of that stuff. You can get some glimpses of how he plays, why that might fit in really well with Mark Few and the Zags. Uh, so, so Smith came over from Chattanooga. He began his college career at Wright State. That's where he was as a freshman in 2018, 2019. He transferred to Chattanooga, sat out a year, played two seasons with the Mocs in 2020 uh, through 2022. In his final season in Chattanooga, he was an absolute monster. He averaged 19.9 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.7 steals. He was playing about 35 minutes per night. He was on the floor basically every minute of every game for a good Chattanooga squad. He shot just under 53% on two-pointers. He shot 41% on three-pointers, and he shot 83% from the free-throw line. This is... This is insane to me. We're talking about, we've talked about Ryan Woolridge already in this podcast. We talked a little bit about Rasir Bolton earlier. And when you talk about these ball dominant score first guards, oftentimes they're not super efficient because they have the opposing team's best defender in their face, because they are the number one thing on the game plan for the opposing team. For Smith to be a guy who dropped 20 per game while being highly efficient from two, from three, and from the free throw line, that's ridiculous. Most of these guards who come to Gonzaga, we see their efficiency up as, as high as 10%. I don't think that Malachi Smith's going to shoot 52% on three-pointers this year, but he could. He's going to get more open looks than he got at Chattanooga just because he's on a better team, because the floor spacing that Gonzaga utilizes is very is accommodating to his skill set because of Drew Timmy effectively and the amount of attention that he requires in the paint. This is going to be a really, really, really fun season to watch for Malachi Smith. He fits what Gonzaga does offensively in so many ways. 70% of Smith's shot attempts last year were either three-pointers or they were at the rim. Gonzaga as a team, 78% of their shots were either threes or at the rim. That is how the Zags attack, and that is how Malachi Smith attacks. Again, he was 41% from three. He was 60% at the rim. He's very efficient at getting to the rim. He's very efficient from beyond the arc. 
That's what Gonzaga likes to do. He also, 80% of his three-pointers last year were off assists. Gonzaga as a team, 83%. They don't do a lot of dribble into three-point shooters. There's not a lot of pull-ups. They are scoring most of their threes on assists, on swings around the perimeter, on kickouts from the post, whatever it may be, dribbles and uh, drives and dishes. All of that is an aspect of, of what Gonzaga likes to do, and all of those are things we've seen from Malachi Smith during his collegiate career. He moves extremely well without the basketball. He, we've seen there's really great clips of him making an entry pass, waiting while his defender kind of slowly slips down to potentially do a double team. Smith cuts to another corner of the uh, around the perimeter, gets a kick out, hits a three. Those are the kind of things he already has in his game. He already has the... IQ and the basketball wherewithal to do that stuff. It's a big part of what Gonzaga does offensively. He's going to fit in very seamlessly with that. He attacks closeouts extremely well. Again, Gonzaga swings the ball around very quickly. A player who can catch a pass, notice that a defender's coming out of coming out at him in a position that's not where his feet aren't set. You can pump fake, you can dribble around them, you can get to the rim. Smith, very, very good at that already. And then I think the big question for Smith is how much of a true point guard is he going to be? And this is this is a, a big question for the Zags. It really hinges a lot on Nolan Hickman and what role he's going to have, how they're going to utilize him. Hickman is a true point guard. There's no debate about that. I don't think that Nolan Hickman's going to spend a lot of time on the floor in an off-guard role. I think if Hickman and Smith are on the floor at the same time, that Smith is going to play more off the ball. But I think when Hickman is not in the game, Smith is your primary point guard. And he has very efficient numbers in the pick and roll so far in his career, but they didn't run it a lot at Chattanooga. He was... 0.92 points per possession, which is the 70th percentile. So he's in the top three-fourths, roughly, for point guards or for guards last season as a pick-and-roll player. Now, points per possession in the pick-and-roll is not something that is entirely dependent on Malachi Smith. I think that that number is almost certainly going to go up simply by being on a team with better players. The players setting screens for Malachi Smith at Gonzaga are going to be Drew Timmy and Anton Watson and Efton Reed and Julian Strother and, and players who are better finishers around the rim than the players on Chattanooga. I think it's just going to create a situation where he is better. There's some great video clips of him doing very Andrew Nembhard-esque moves. Uh, He loves to come off the screen, get his defender behind him, and then hit a little floater that way. We've also seen him take not take screens. He crosses over, goes to his left, and attacks that way. Defenders aren't expecting that because they expect the player to use the screen. He he really fits a lot of what Gonzaga already wants to do offensively, and I think he's going to make it's going to be a seamless transition to have him in the offense, either as a point guard, either off the ball, whichever one it is. Once again, like Rasir Bolton, I expect him to start. I expect him to play twenty five to thirty minutes per night. I would I don't think the Zags went out and got him with the intention of having him be a bench player or be a a, a bit player. He's going to play a significant role for this team. He's going to be. potentially the primary point guard starting on day one. If not, he's still going to play a lot of minutes at that point guard role. It depends on if the Zags are going to start Hickman or if they're potentially going to start Hunter Salas or how that's going to shake out. But I think that we're looking at a guy who's going to play a lot of minutes, who's going to score a lot of points, and he's going to be expected to do a lot of things offensively that are already skill sets that he possesses based on his time at Chattanooga. All right, we're going to close out today's show with something blue talking about Dominic Harris returning from a lengthy year-long absence. He missed all of last season with a foot injury. We're going to talk about that right after this. All 
All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags, still going through our wedding-themed episode here today. We did something old, something new, and something borrowed in the first two segments. Now, of course, something blue. Decided that something blue refers to a player coming off of an injury, so we're going to talk about Dominic Harris. We had two options here. We could have talked about Caden Perry. I think we kind of already covered the, the big man depth concerns, talking about Braden Huff. Perry going to be hard for him to find a lot of playing time in year one, depending on his health. But Dominic Harris is in a situation where we're he's healthy. He's coming into the year ready to roll. He missed all of last year, very unfortunately. A reminder on who Dominic Harris is. He's a top 60 recruit in the class of 2020. He committed to Gonzaga very early. I believe like when he was a sophomore in high school, he's pretty much responsible for the tricky trio existing in the first place. He helped recruit Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs to come to Gonzaga. Of course, uh, these guys never really got a chance to play together, which is very unfortunate. Uh, fortunately, Julian Strother returned for this upcoming season, so Dom and Julian will play together this upcoming season, but not really a lot of opportunities to play with Jalen Suggs. Both Dom and Julian were, were bit players as freshmen when Suggs had his dominant season. Harris played 25 games that year. He averaged about seven minutes per game, so he played a little bit. About three points per game, just under a rebound, just under a half an assist per game. He shot 42% from the field, but 39% from three. That was the majority of the attempts that he took. This We're talking about a very, very good outside shooter, a dead-eye shooter. This is the biggest skill set that Dominic Harris brings to this team, and it's going to be utilized. It's something that is going to be important for the Zags. Unfortunately, he missed an entire year of development. Now, it does mean that he didn't get better as a basketball player over the last calendar year. I'm sure that he did just by being around the team, watching practices, participating when he could, uh, being at the games, hearing the coaching stuff, all that stuff helps you. But it is unfortunate that this was not the not as big of a development year as it could have been because of the foot injury. So now we'll see what he's going to look like in 22-23. That's a, another really big question for the Zags. How much is Dominic Harris going to play? Because right now the Zags have five guards. The other guards are, of course, Malachi Smith and Rasir Bolton, who we've already talked about, and then the two incoming sophomores, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman. Those four guys are going to play. They're all going to play a lot of minutes. Now, the Zags are probably going to play the majority of time with three guards on the floor. Smith, Bolton, and one of Hickman and Salas is probably going to start. The other one is going to play a significant role as well. So we're going to see a lot of three-guard lineups, which allows the Zags to still find playing time for all five of these guards. But whomever is fifth, and for my money right now, it's probably Dom, whoever is fifth in the rotation is going to have a harder time carving out significant minutes. It kind of depends on what happens with the big rotation. If Strother really does play all of his minutes at the four, then there's some more minutes to go around. But Anton Watson and Efton Reed need to play as well. And I think that there there's going to be times when Watson and Timmy are on the floor at the same time. In that situation, if Strother's playing the three, you only have two guards on the floor at the same time. So it's going to be tough for Dom. Obviously, we're talking about a player who's a great outside shooter. He's labeled as one of the best defensive guards that Mark Few has ever seen, could potentially the best defensive guard on the roster last year had he been healthy. So if he can bring that kind of defensive intensity, can be a strong outside shooter, three and D players are very, very popular. They're very significant. You need guys who can do both of those things. So I think that he's there's a role for him. There's, a, there's an ability for him to come out and play maybe 8 to 10 minutes per night, knock down a couple of threes, play some really, really good defense, certainly in games where 
the other team is very physical or there's some foul trouble for the opposing guards or guys who are just struggling and you need to plug Dom in for 18, 20, 25 minutes per game, he could absolutely do it. And again, things change throughout the season. I already mentioned Joel Eiei taking over a starting spot for Admon Gilder. I've mentioned Andrew Nembhard taking over a starting spot for Anton Watson. Like these things could change. There's been some criticism that Mark Few is unwilling to change his lineups as the season go on. And I think in a lot of ways, those criticisms are fair. And certainly last year, there was a lot of people clamoring for more Hunter Salas, more, you know, Nolan Hickman, less so-and-so. And we didn't really see a lot of adjustments uh, during that season. But Mark Few's done it before. It's not like he's never made in-game adjust or in-season adjustments. And certainly, if Dom outperforms Hunter Salas or outperforms Nolan Hickman or any of the other starters and has earned more playing time, hopefully Mark View will recognize that and will get him some more minutes because this is a kid who has been very dedicated to the program. He's been an ambassador for the program, even though he's only played, you know, a bit role in one season. He's already been like a, a very impactful Gonzaga basketball player. And I think it'd be fantastic to see him carve out a fairly significant role this season. But I, he's got some work to do. Missing a whole year hurts. It's an unfortunate reality that it's it, it sets you back a little bit. And the Zags went out and, and got a really good player in Malachi Smith. They have two really, really good five-star caliber recruits who are coming into their sophomore year, a year that historically we've seen players take a big leap. And then you've got a guy like Rasir Bolton coming back. That was probably not expected. I'm thinking Mark Few thought his offseason his offseason goal was to add a player like Malachi Smith and to have a, a guard rotation with him, the two sophomores and Dom. But then when Bolton comes back, now you have a bit more of a logjam in that situation. I'm not sure what kind of conversations the staff has had with the players about that. Certainly, it's going to be an open competition. Uh, certainly, Dom has the ability to carve out a very big role, even with a logjam uh, in the guard rotation. But it's not going to be easy. There, there's, It's not going to be easy. It's, it's hard to get playing time at Gonzaga. That's where the program is these days. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Don't forget to check out my written content at scorezagscore.com. Great video breakdown of Malachi Smith sitting out there for you all to check out. I really, really appreciate it. We got one more episode coming later this week to close out the month of July right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Go hit that subscribe button on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. Trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We're very, very close. So any help there is appreciated. Finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC may not exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!